Do you ever find yourself completely overwhelmed? I know I do. So I regularly evaluate what it is that's overwhelming me and how I can simplify my life and not be overwhelmed anymore. Welcome to the Savvy Agent Podcast, where we help real estate agents build a thriving business so they have financial freedom in their life without having to work 24-7. I'm your host, Heather Wright. Now let's get to it. You know, I think it's kind of normal to be totally overwhelmed in the spring real estate market, but I have found myself to be overwhelmed already this year in both January and February. And then when that happens, it usually results in a meltdown of sorts. I'm telling you, it is not pretty. Seriously, can anyone else please be in charge of dinner for once? To be fair, my husband will do anything I ask, but for some reason, I'm not proactive when I need help and I don't ask for help. I'm sure people can relate to that, right? Recently, I found myself completely overwhelmed. I had some buyers that were in town only for a few days. And they were, man, their urgency and their stress really rubbed off on me. So I bent over backwards to show them way too many houses in just a couple of days. There was also a little language barrier between the buyers and myself. And I was primarily communicating with their daughter over the phone. So the daughter is actually a past client of mine. And she wanted me to help her parents. It's such a great compliment when you get a referral. And so I kind of try to do an even better job in that situation because I certainly don't want to let down somebody who recommended their parents to me, right? So in this case, the buyers, they didn't really have any real requirements or wish list for a house. Like they'd be fine with anything, (laughs) which was not true at all. They were not fine with anything. Every house we went into, I'd ask if they like it. And they said, yes. So I asked if they love it and they said, yes. So I asked if they wanted to buy it and they would say, maybe. (laughs) And I'm like, no, that's, what are you talking about? No, there's no maybe. Like it was a language barrier. And I think they were trying to be super polite because sometimes people do that where they feel like if they were to say, no, I don't want to buy this house or no, I don't like this house because of the yard, that they're somehow insulting me, even though I have nothing to do with the house, right? So anyway, we looked at a new construction development and this particular builder um, had some really nice homes out and every house that we went to with this builder, the wife loved it. She was like, oh my gosh, I love it, love it, love it. This is the kind of house we're looking for. And I'm like, this is just a normal traditional house. What is different about this than the houses we looked at yesterday that you didn't love? And I realized what she loved was the elevation of the house, which is you know kind of standard I don't really think it was terribly different from the other houses. It had maybe a little bit more stone, had uh, more intricate roof lines. I don't know. I mean, it really wasn't that different, but she loved it. I mean, I think that would have been good information to have beforehand, but sometimes it works out to get it in the moment. Anyway, the whole situation had me completely overwhelmed. I normally have a policy that we don't look at more than six houses a day because it just gets too overwhelming for the buyers. If I break that policy, it might be for maybe eight houses. But in this case, I ended up showing them 13 homes on the first day and we were all dead on our feet. I let my buyers push through my boundaries. Even though I'm the expert, I let them dictate what we're doing. And that's an issue. 
The second day was better. I only had six or seven homes scheduled, but then we had to do some second showings. And then the, are there any other houses in this development showings came up? I had zero control of the situation because they were totally stressed and there was a language barrier. It's not like I could talk them off the ledge. They were on a ledge that I couldn't even speak their language to. So in hindsight, I'm glad it worked out the way that it did. The house they got ended up having three offers on it on a new construction house. Like that's, that's pretty incredible for our market. So had we not done it the way that we did, it, the house wouldn't have even been an option. So I'm totally fine with how that worked out. However, I was completely stressed out because I felt like I wasn't getting any other work done. I was supposed to have a lockbox set up at a new listing and deal with the photography on that. And nothing was going my way because I was letting the buyers control my schedule. I also felt like I was failing in every other category. What emails was I missing? What clients were going to feel like they weren't a priority? What was I going to eat? Trying to be healthy. And this was clearly not well thought out if I'm getting lunch at a convenience store. Then another buyer called. They wanted to write an offer on a house that we saw the previous night. And I was hours away from being at a computer to write up the offer. Plus I had a commitment with friends in the early evening. Just thinking about these few days is making me really stressed. If I could do it all over again, surely I could do something differently that would make me less stressed. Somehow simplify my life. This is what I came up with. I probably could have done something different with the showings, like had a proper buyer consult, but the language barrier would have made that difficult. Plus what I learned about the buyers is that they weren't terribly discerning with photos on the internet. They had to see the house in person. So like I said before, I'm okay with how it all went down with the buyers and showings, et cetera. However, I could have planned better for the level of busy I was going to be. I could have asked my husband to be in charge of dinner. Then I wouldn't have had to scream at him for not being helpful. I already do meal planning of sorts. Like I have a list of meals to choose from throughout the week. And I usually have the groceries on hand. So it's kind of a plan, but it's not set in stone. It still requires a little decision and planning in advance if you're going to be out all day. It makes a healthy dinner hard if you're in charge of it and you haven't planned it. I also could have packed some snacks or some lunch to eat in the car, but I've been doing this whole 30 paleo diet, which is grain-free, dairy-free, no nuts, no seeds, no fun. So I'm not terribly excited about eating in general, which I suppose is actually a good thing, but it also makes it hard to find mobile food, food that can travel well in your car. Or I could have figured out what food I could get to go. I'm sure I have a list of recommendations somewhere. I was just unprepared and ended up eating beef jerky from the convenience store, which I suppose is better than a Jimmy John sandwich. At least it has less carbs. And since we're talking about simplifying your life and things that you could maybe do if you're not already doing them, if you're not already using Instacart or some sort of grocery delivery service, I recommend it. Actually, if you've never used Instacart, Check the show notes because I will have a link there. It's an affiliate link. And if you click on it and make your first order with Instacart, you'll save $10. That's pretty cool. Now, I don't know that I actually save any money using Instacart, but I do save time. Making out the grocery list takes time on your first order. But then after that, your regular stuff is easily selected from the buy again options. And someone brings it to your door. It saves me probably an hour of time where I don't have to drive to and from the grocery store. I don't have to stand in line. I don't have to look around at the shelves. I don't end up buying, you know, all of the impulse purchases because I'm hungry while I'm at the store. If you've ever been to a grocery store, you know exactly what I'm talking about. 
And with that time, I can be prospecting for business instead of picking out eggs. Plus, I'm helping other people earn an income by using the service and leaving them a tip. I did ask my assistant to watch my inbox and handle what she could. I don't know why this stressed me out as much as it did. Like, what emails am I missing? I mean, half of my inbox is just filled with junk emails. I could have put an out-of-office message on and let people know that I would be responding to emails later in the day or later that night. And if they needed something now to call me. So that's a good idea for the next time I have out-of-town buyers. I could have also set better expectations with other clients. For example, the listing that I needed to have online on that Friday, and I waited until the absolute last minute to put on a lockbox and deal with photography. I really should have pushed that to Monday. But it was Friday and I thought, oh, you know, we'll get the weekend showings in. So I forced myself to get it all done. But it was a last minute listing anyway. I was rushing it on market when I really didn't need to. And it was my own fault for not setting the expectation to the seller for Monday. So hindsight is always 2020. And that's something that I should have done better at. Writing offers for buyers is kind of an immediate urgency in this market. And I was really annoyed with myself for not having a way to write an offer for my car. I always have an iPad with me, but using dot loop on iPad is not that easy. And I'm not sure I even had the 25 minutes I would need to actually write the offer. You know, there's a lot of blanks you have to fill out and it's not that easy to write an offer on an iPad in your car. Plus, I like to do a Loom video going over the highlights on the offer and their first time buyers and they sign electronically. And how was I supposed to do any of that from the road? So maybe you have a solution for this already. I haven't really had this problem in a while, but it was because of the out-of-town buyers, which is unusual for me. I know some agents carry laptops with them, but I don't. And I don't know if that would have helped since I needed more time anyway. In this case, I relied on a team member for help. I have a small team, an assistant that does transaction management, but she doesn't know how to write up offers. I could maybe train her to do this, but I'd need to check with my broker to see if there's any legal issue with her prepping the offer documents. Anyway, she would not be able to help me in this moment because she's not trained. So I couldn't call her on that day to write the offer. In addition to my assistant, I have one agent that works with her own buyers and sellers. I could have called her. Then I have this other agent that used to work with buyers and sellers, but last year she moved four hours away. And now her role is more supportive, like an inside sales associate. I mean, that's what she is. She's an ISA, but she also works with listings like her past clients if she is familiar with their home and and whatnot. So she has kind of a hybrid role, but for all intents and purposes, we'll call her an ISA. And thankfully she answered the phone and thankfully she had time to write the offer. She's also licensed and she's skilled. She's perfectly capable of writing the offer. I explained the situation to my buyers and they were cool with Jess writing up the offer. Jess is my ISA. So I gave Jess all the info she needed and she handled it like a champ. She even called the buyers to go through all the docs over the phone. So Jess is an ISA, but she doesn't get paid an hourly wage. She's actually paid a commission from closings. So if she is working a lead that she nurtures for a month or a couple of weeks or a couple of months, and then finally she gets them pre-approved and they're ready to start looking at homes, she flips that lead to one of the agents on the team. So in this case, I offered to pay her 10% of my commission. I mean, that might be a lot, but it's 100% worth it to me. And she totally earned it because this one had a builder addendum that she had to manually add all the text boxes, initials, and signatures. It was a terrible 40-page addendum, and it was a lot of work. 
I'm really glad I didn't have to do it. But if you don't have a team to lean on, is there someone in your office that you could buddy with? Maybe a new agent that isn't as busy and could be your offer backup. It might be something to consider if you find yourself in this situation or that new agent could actually tag team in on the showings for the out-of-town clients and you could focus on the offer. There's a lot of ways of handling it. Last year in December, I was thinking about what I wanted to do different in 2022. And one of those things also happens to simplify my life. That is to have my assistant log my expenses in my spreadsheet. I have a spreadsheet that has all of my sales, all of my income, all, you know, it tracks the lead source. It tracks how much my broker gets, how much I get, how much my ISA gets. It tracks everything. It also tracks my expenses. So it's like my business for the year in a spreadsheet. And she already logs these expenses in QuickBooks for my CPA, but I don't know how to use QuickBooks <laughs> and I'm a creature of habit. So I've had this spreadsheet for the last 10 years. And I used to feel like logging my own expenses on the spreadsheet was good because then I was aware of everything I was investing in. But the truth is that I just don't have the time to do that anymore. So I've tasked my assistant with logging expenses in two places, which is probably a little redundant. I mean, it's definitely redundant. Maybe next year I'll learn how QuickBooks works and we can eliminate the double work. We'll see. But for now, at least I'm not the one spending time on it. What else have I done to simplify my life? Well, recently I hired a virtual assistant. She's great. Actually, she's been editing this podcast and creating content each week from the podcast for social media. She also edits my real estate videos and that saves me, gosh, that alone saves me five to six hours a week of editing. And I can't tell you how fantastic that is. The long and the short of it is if you're feeling overwhelmed, take a minute and think through what is actually causing the overwhelm. And then consider what changes or systems you could implement to simplify your life. For example, the the five to six hours, the video editing, I wasn't actually doing that because I knew it would take that long. So I ended up just not doing any videos at all. So having somebody else take those tasks on for me, yes, it costs money to do that, but it also gets done and it's a form of prospecting. So I expect that over a period of time, it will pay for itself. It's also a cost of doing business. Either I'm going to do less business because I'm spending time doing menial tasks on my own, or I'm going to pay the price to have somebody else work on those menial tasks to get them off my plate. And then I'm going to use that time to prospect for more business or on some other money-making activity. So I would encourage you to think about the last time you were totally overwhelmed and what you could have done to change it. There's nothing wrong with evaluating a situation and saying, oh yeah, mm -hmm, I could have done that better. (laughs) Plus nobody has to know you're not telling anybody. Uh, You're not going on a podcast and telling everybody how you screamed at your husband for eating Culver's when you're on a diet and it's the middle of the afternoon and you're hungry. And he also um, doesn't have to make dinner at night. (laughs) Like total meltdown, I'm telling you. So- How do you avoid those meltdowns? Well, you just have to think through where your overwhelm is, where you're spending your time and where you would rather be spending your time. Somewhere in there is a way to minimize it, to simplify it, maybe even delegate it. And and all of that is going to simplify your life. It's going to make it easier for you to have these systems in place to make sure that your time is prioritized the way that you want it to be. I hope this was helpful. It's a little bit different than our usual podcast. 
And if you thought it was valuable or maybe any other podcast episode of ours that you've listened to, maybe you have thought those were valuable. It'd be really cool if you went to your podcast platform like iTunes and left a review. I hear reviews on podcasts are good and we should probably start collecting some. That's all I've got for this week. I'll talk to you soon. 